Well, good morning, everybody. It's indeed an honor to be here today. I first of all give honor and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and, I, and, and what he's doing in my life and what he has done and what he has planned to do. And thank God for my wife. Amen. She was standing here with me just a minute ago. She is my partner in life for life. Amen. It's, it's a, praise the Lord. So it's been 37 years now and, and counting, and God has blessed us with nine children and and uh, three of them were up here on stage today with the praise and worship team, and we are grateful. We especially thank Pastor Tom, his wife, his leadership team here at Global River. We are so honored to be here today. We just counted the, the privilege that God has given us to share the word of God, to fellowship with you. I believe, as we said earlier, God is doing a, a new thing. It's not necessarily new to him, uh, and it may not be new to many of us, but for the most part, it's something that God wants to establish uh, in his kingdom and, and in the body of Christ and in our city. And so we're glad to be a part of what he's doing right now. Amen. Are you glad to be here today? Yes. Woo! Bless the Lord. We're glad to be here. We're so glad to be here. Today, uh, I just want to share from the Word of God just a very, really simple message. I believe it's very practical. I believe it's very uh, sound doctrinally, uh, but it's an encouragement to us as to uh, uh, we are reestablishing. In fact, the title of the message is going to be called uh, Rediscovering Our True Identity or Reestablishing Our True Identity. Amen? And so I, I think if you open your Bibles, if you would, with me today to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16 is where I want to start today. And I just want to lay a foundation and just kind of give us some insights from the Word of God concerning our true identity in Christ. Our true identity in Christ and what that really means, especially in this hour, especially on this special occasion we are experiencing here today. The Bible says, for us, as it's already been quoted out of Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil, the precious ointment that came upon Aaron's head, down his beard, down to the very skirts of his garment. In this kind of unity, God has commanded a blessing. And we're experiencing a blessing that God has commanded upon us today because his people, we the brethren, are willing to gather together and to worship together and to praise God together and to receive the word of God together. That is unique. It should not be unique, but it, but it is in some sense it is, but it's going to become common in the days to come. Amen. This would not be a strange occurrence. This would not be just some unique special occasion. I believe this is going to become normal for the people of God. And so we're glad that brethren are dwelling together today in unity. Amen. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, the Bible reads, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that, upon, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let us pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty presence in this place today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your mercies that are renewed every morning. We thank you, Lord God, for just this opportunity, Lord, to gather and to fellowship and worship together. We ask you, Holy Spirit, you are our teacher, you are our leader, you are our God, and you will lead us into all truth. As we know the truth, we know that your word said the truth shall make us free. And whom the Son has made free, we are free 
indeed. And so we thank you for the word that will come forth today that's going to be rightly divided by your spirit. That's going to bring forth uh, illustrations and demonstrations of power, Lord God. Our trust and our faith is not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. We thank you, Lord, that your word will be confirmed today with signs following. That you will do great and mighty things in the hearts, the minds, and the lives, even of your people here today. So we bless you, Father, that you will confirm your word, that you will move mightily, and cause us all to be blessed, delivered, and set free. By your word today, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Our message today, as I said earlier, is going to be entitled, Restoring Our True Identity. As we know, most of us know that the um, identity theft is one of the major crimes in the world today. And uh, and it's a real hard thing sometimes when your identity is stolen to get it restored. Today, I'm not so much talking about our natural uh, uh, identity as far as our human or our material or bank account, things of that sort, as far as identity being stolen. Talk about our spiritual identity, our spiritual identity. And so as you look at what, um, what um, uh, Jesus is saying to uh, Peter, ask him a question. I actually asked the disciples all together, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, and, and there's a big question in the world today as to who Jesus really is. And I believe that the church should be able to stand and really proudly and boldly proclaim who Jesus is. And I think, too, that we, as we understand concerning identity theft, the fact that our spiritual identity is being, uh, being stolen, uh, the devil is the mastermind. Satan is the mastermind behind identity theft for us, our spiritual identity in Christ Jesus. He's, uh, he's blinded the minds of so many. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that, um, that the God of this world, he's also, also called the God of this world system. He's blinded the minds of them that believe not. And now we know he's blinded the minds of those who don't believe because we were once sinners. We were once blind to the truth. But thank God we we're born again. Is that right? We like to know him that says we were once lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. But he's blinding the minds of so many people in the body of Christ in this hour as to who we really are in Christ, who we are personally in our relationship with Christ, who we are corporately in our unity that God has established amongst us as people of God, and also our identity as to who we are as it relates to the world how we identify, how we are to be soul winners, how we're to be a light in this world. And so we, we, we got to have our identity restored. We need to have our identity restored. So we're going to be talking about that today. And as you see the conversation here, Jesus is asking his disciples. He has sent them out two by two, as we know. Out of Matthew chapter 10, he'd already sent them out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I want you to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So when he sent them out, he gave them this commission, he gave them this command, and he gave them power to see all of these things occur. And so from time to time, Jesus would meet with his disciples, and he would give them opportunity to give account of where they went, what they did, what the response was of the people they encountered. And so when Jesus met with them, he asked them a question here at the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He said, when you went to these places, you went into the villages, you went in the synagogues even, said, who do the men say that I, the son of man, am? What are they saying about me? Who do they say that I am? What is their opinion of me? The world has so many opinions as to who Jesus is. They have so many ideas as to who Jesus really is. You got different religions, different cults, different gatherings of people who name the name of Christ, but there's a question as to knowing who he really is. So it said, when you went to all these places and you saw all these things happen and the power of God was in operation and people were responding uh, as to what was going on, who do they say that I the son of man am. They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're like Jeremiah. Some say you're like Elijah or one of the great prophets. And it's good for us to know as God is using us and allowing us to touch other people's lives what their uh, uh, understanding of God is. That's fine. But even with all the work that we do, with all the lives that we touch, with all the 
opportunities that God gives us, we still have to come back to the reality of knowing him for ourselves and knowing him not just in what he can do through us, but who he is in us. Amen. Our relationship with him, our intimacy with him, our love and our commitment to him, to know him in truth as to who he really is. And so Peter spoke up as he normally would. You know, Peter was one of all, of, of all the disciples. He was the one that would be quick to speak. And sometimes he didn't always uh, think before he spoke, but uh, he, he spoke from his heart. And Peter was quick to speak. So Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And so he said, now upon this rock, this revelation, this understanding of who I am, this is the foundation on which the church is going to be built. The church isn't built on Peter. Jesus is the rock. Is that right? Jesus is the rock on which the church is built. The Bible said there's no foundation, no other foundation that can be laid, and that which is laid, that foundation is Jesus Christ. It's the old hymn that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He is the chief cornerstone. Amen. No other foundation but in him. And so we know, he said, the, the revelation of who I am, the understanding of who I am is going to be the foundation on which the church is going to be built. It's not necessarily flesh and blood. It's not based on your natural heritage. It's not based on your background as far as your ancestors as to this relationship with me. It's going to be a personal intimacy with me. It's going to be a personal revelation. It's going to be a personal encounter that you're going to have with me that lets you know who I really am. The Bible said, now, we were blind before we came into salvation. We were all blind, blind to the truth as to who Jesus is. That's why the Bible says we must be born again. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen? And so now that we can see, we need to keep our eyes focused on who he really is. And so the devil is still doing everything he can to, to blind us. And, and if you notice what, what Jesus said to him, uh, uh, you know, upon this rock I'll build my church. But when you go back to see other things that Jesus said, as, as Peter responded, that they said, some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Elijah or one of the great prophets. But then Jesus said, whom do you say? And so today I want to get into this message to kind of give you some insight as to what some people say. You know, some say based on their relationship, based on their encounter. When you have a, a personal encounter with Jesus, you have your own personal revelation of who he is to you. Is that right? When you were blind and when you were sick and when you were hurt and when you were in despair, when you were hopeless, when you were full of darkness and sinful activity, and when you had an encounter with Jesus, your eyes were open and you saw him in, a, in your own special way. Some saw him as healer. Some remind themselves and remember him as their deliverer. Some realized that he, they were without hope and he was the one that gave them hope and purpose in their lives. And there's so many ways some say based on how you have been touched by him or based on how he has touched you. I know many of you may know the story of the, the, the five blind men and the, and the elephant. How many know the story of the five blind men, the little, little parable of the five blind men and the elephant? And it's interesting how that based on how you touch Jesus or how he touches you will kind of give you your impression or your revelation or your understanding as to who he is. The story goes pretty much, many of you know, the, the five blind men, of course, they were blind so they can't see. All right? But they, was, they were instructed to give a, um, you know, how they see uh, an elephant, what an elephant looks like. What does an elephant look like? Now, these people can't see, but they've been asked to give their impression of what an elephant looks like. It's amazing how so many people in the world try to describe what Jesus looks like, what God looks like. I'm not talking about physically as far as what his natural appearance is, but they want to know what he looks like. You know, who is he? What is he like? So these men are blind. So they've been led to this elephant, and, and one by one, the first one, bring, they bring him up to the elephant, let him get close enough to the elephant to touch him. You know, so many people are, give their, their impression of who God is based on their feelings. 
I feel like, you know, if God is really God, then this should be happening or that shouldn't be happening. I, I feel in my mind's eye, in my way of thinking, in my way of understanding, why is it that God, who is such a loving God, will allow this to happen? Why is it if God is such a merciful and caring and compassionate God, why are certain things happening? People operate based on their feelings as to how they describe who God is or what they expect from him. These blind men are going to be able to describe what an elephant looks like based on touch, based on their feelings. And so they lead the first man up, and he touches the elephant, get him close enough, he touches him and grabs his trunk. He asked to, I've been asked to tell, what does an elephant look like? He grabs the trunk and it says, the elephant looks like a snake. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like to him. So the next man they bring up, and he grabs a part of the elephant, grabs a tail. He said, an elephant looks like a rope. That's the part he touched. They assume that's what the whole thing looks like. They bring the third man up and allow him to touch, and he, and he grabs around the leg, and he said, an elephant looks like a tree. Felt like a tree, a tree trunk. They bring the next man up, and by the time they bring him up, the elephant's ear is kind of fanning a little bit, and so he gets close enough, and he touches the ear, and so the elephant looks like a fan, you know, because that's the only part he touches. They bring the last man up and he touches him, he pushes him, touches him against the side and says, an elephant looks like a wall. <laughs> they had a partial understanding in their own mind's eye of what it looked like, but they didn't have a true revelation of what an elephant really looks like because they were blind. The enemy is trying to blind us as the people of God to the reality of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Amen. We see certain portions and we experience certain aspects of it, but we still don't see the whole picture. And we want to see God bring a restoration of the true identity of not only of who Jesus is, but who we are in him, who we are together, and who we are to the world. Are y'all hearing me today? And so I want to look at five ways of the body of Christ of what it looks like. Some would say, well, I believe that the body of Christ is an army. It looks like an army. You just had a spiritual warfare conference. What was it called, Leon? A Rise Warrior Conference. So many in the body of Christ only see the body of Christ as a, a military force, an army, mighty army. Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and have done all the sand to stand, putting on the helmet of salvation, to have your loins girt about with truth, and to have your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace, and have, you know, the shield of faith and, you know, the sword of the Spirit. We have been equipped with weapons because the church is an army, mighty army. We're in warfare, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty weapons. To the pulling out of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that is all itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. So there's a warfare going on, and there's weapons that have been formed against us. But the Bible said no weapon that can be formed against us can prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment, we shall Yeah, the church is an army, but it's more than that. Amen. I say we're going to restore our true identity. Yeah, we are an army, mighty army. We have the Lord of hosts. Jesus, in fact, is, he's called the Lord of hosts. Mighty in battle. So lift up your eyes, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. He's mighty in battle. We are more than conquerors in him. Amen. You're talking about being a conqueror. That means you are in warfare. Is that right? There's warfare, constant warfare, because we do have an adversary, the devil. He roams around 
as a roaring, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Amen? And so the, the body of Christ is an army. But the body of Christ is also recognized. Some say that the body of Christ is, is a hospital. It's a hospital. It's where you come to be healed. There is a bomb in Gilead. Oh, yeah. The song that says, the old hymn said, there is a bomb in Gilead that saves the sin-sick soul. He doesn't just save our sin-sick soul, but he heals our wretched and our diseased and our sick bodies. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgetting all, all, not all of, don't forget any of his benefits. Amen. He's forgiven all of our iniquities, and he heals all of our diseases. The, the church of God is a hospital. It's a place of healing. Amen. It's a place of restoration. He sent his word to heal and to deliver from all destruction. Amen. So if there's sickness, there's disease, there's pain, there's mental distress and any kind of attack of the enemy against our bodies, against our minds, against our families, against our, our, our relationships or whatever, we can, be, we can receive healing and wholeness and comfort and encouragement and strength in the body of Christ. If there be any sick among us, we can call for the elders of the church. Anoint them with all. Pray the prayer of faith. The Bible said the prayer of faith will, will save the sick and God said he will raise you up. Is that right? So the church is, some say that the church is a hospital. And it is. But it's more than that. Amen. Some say, because Jesus said, well, what the men say what, that I am? Who in the church? What are we saying about him? Some say. Some say that the, that the body of Christ or the church is, is a school, a training center. Place we come to learn and, and to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a learning center. It is a school. It is a place where we can be equipped. The Bible says for us to study, to show yourselves approved unto God. Workmen. There's work to be done. Is that right? Yeah. And we want to be qualified workers. I'm telling you, there's so much deception in the world today. There are so many de deceiving spirits. There are so many false prophets. There are so many things that sound so good and feel so good and seem so good, yet they're not what God is ordaining in this hour. We're going to have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in this hour. And the only way you're going to be able to line it up, you got to put a line upon a line, precept upon precept. you got to try the Spirit by the Spirit. you got to know how it lines up with the Word of God because everything that sounds like God ain't God. Everything that looked like God, it ain't God. There's no scripture of any private interpretation. You got to have, you know, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. You got to know what God's words say. You got to know what it says in his word. Amen? You got to line it up with the word. I don't care how good it feels. I don't care how miraculous it looks. I don't care how impressive it may seem to be. If it's not lining up word for word, line upon line, precept upon precept, according to the written word of God, you better stand back. Amen. The Bible said we should be workmen, approved. Amen. Workmen so we can approve and we can be able to, to, to defend the gospel. Man, I'm telling you, we need to stand and defend the gospel. In fact, my wife was preaching and ministering uh, this past Wednesday and a week ago or uh, so ago about contending for the faith. Contending for the faith. That was once delivered to the saints. Contending. How it said because there are false teachers, there are false prophets, there are false teachers that are, that are creeping in. And they're creeping in unawares. 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 People are not aware. The Bible said in the last days it will be so bad until that they will deceive the very elect if it were possible. I'm telling you right now, you better stick with the word of God. Amen. You better stick with the word of God. 
Yes, sir. You better stay in it. You may not look impressive. You may not seem like you, you know, doing a whole bunch of wonderful, you know, outlandish, great and mighty, miraculous kind of thing, but you stick with the Word of God, you'll be able to stand. I'm trying to tell you. You stick with the Word. Amen? Amen. You got to stick with the Word. So the, the church is a, a training center, a place where we can learn and grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Paul was very strong in his, his uh, um, encouragement to the saints, especially the church of Rome. In, in Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, I beseech you uh, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Come on now. Can't be conformed to this world. And what the Word of God does, it transforms us. We are being transformed as our minds are being renewed by the Word of God. When you used to think a certain way, when you used to have a certain mindset about things, when you used to believe a certain thing, now your mind is being renewed. You need to be brainwashed. <laughs> yeah, you need to be brainwashed in, in a good kind of way. Yeah, you wash everything else. You wash your car, you wash your clothes, you wash your body, and you wash your brain. You need to be brainwashed. Amen. Get your mind renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. That's what the Bible say. The Word of God has a way of washing and cleansing and renewing and causing you to be transformed. As you're being renewed in your mind, you're being transformed, become more and more like Jesus. Amen. Don't be conformed to this world. When we talk about our identity, that is a real challenge to the body of Christ, being conformed to this world. The Bible, as we said earlier in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, it talks about the devil being the god of this world system, blinding the minds of them that believe not. Don't be conformed to this world. That is, that, is, that is a real challenge for us to realize that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And I'm telling you right now, as the days approach and as you see them beginning to happen even now, you're going to find that uh, your commitment and your determination to be together, work together, love one another, encourage one another, is going to be more necessary now than ever before. I'm telling you right now, the, world, the Bible said, Jesus said, the world loves its own. Now, don't you start thinking that the world loves you. <laughs> Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. He said, he said, in the last days, he said, they were, he said they were, they were, you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's the Bible. Are you hearing me? And so you're trying to pup, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, buddy up to the world and think the world's going to accept you and give you all this political advantages and give you all this social and economic advantages. No, no, you the church. You better realize who your source is. Come on now. Oh, yeah, you be caught up in this world, this Babylonian system, this world system, and think that your, that's your way out, think that that's your security. You're getting ready to find out real soon that Jesus... He is your answer. He is your, he is your source. Amen. And we're going to find ourselves as the body of Christ coming together more and more because we're going to be the only people we got that's going to stick together, going to love one another, going to help one another. We're going to need one another now like never before. I'm trying to tell you. Like never before. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a good thing. It's amazing how when tribulation comes, when persecution comes, it has a way to bring the church together. Oh, persecution coming. We don't see it in our nation as much as we see in other lands. I mean, you look at what's happening to Christians in other lands. They're going to India and Africa and different places like that. You're talking about the persecution on Christians. Don't think it can't happen here. Oh, okay. Now, anyway, y'all, I know you don't want to hear me. Now, y'all think things unchanged. All right, you wait. Amen? Amen. So, it's a, it's a learning center. 
We learn the word of God. We grow in the grace of God's word. Amen. So the church is, it is a training center. It is a school. Some say that the church is a community outreach post, a community outpost. And that is true. That we are a community within a community. God strategically places churches in different areas, in different parts of the city, in different communities to make an impact in that community. To be a light in that community. To provide resources, encouragement, helping people spiritually and materially with food banks and, and help where people in addictions and, and all kinds of life issues, helping them deal with practical parts of their lives. How to live and how to maintain and how to develop it, how to grow, how to fulfill vision, how to go forth to accomplish God's purpose, how to come to a relationship with God in the first place. You set in those communities to be a light because the Bible said in the last days, and we're in the last days, we know, we know we're in the last days, right? I'm telling you, we are in the last of the last days. Jesus made it very clear to us as to what to expect in the last day. He didn't tell us the day of the time, but he said we would know the season of his return. I believe he's, come, he's coming soon. He said in the last days, said, in fact, Paul said in the last days, perilous times will come. That men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They'll be truth breakers. They'll be high-minded. They'll be disobedient to parents. You see disobedient to parents? You see people without natural affection. When you have mothers that would kill their own babies and, and, and fathers that would, would do, I mean, you see an unnatural uh, uh, anger and wickedness and e evil in the world, so that, and it's on the increase. But God, the Bible said in the last days, it talks about sin will abound, but where sin abound, grace. Somebody say grace. Grace will much more abound. I'm telling you right now, God ain't going to be outdone by the devil. Don't you stand on the sideline and say, oh, it's, the world is in trouble. Oh, everything going down. Oh, we just might as well forget it. No, no, Jesus is still Lord. And I believe the Bible said the set time has come. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. He's not coming back for a weak, beggarly, defeated people. He's coming back for a victorious, glorious church that are going forth in his power, in his name, and seeing lives changed to his glory. Are y'all hearing me today? Oh, yes, he is. The Bible said the set time has come for God to favor Zion. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the favor of God is upon the people of God in this hour. The favor of God, like never before. The darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. Because it said in the last day, it said that, that we should arise and shine. Our light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Darkness is in the earth. Is darkness in the earth? Jeez. Boy, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and gross darkness on the people. But my glory shall be seen upon you. My favor, my anointing, my provision, my power, my grace, my mighty hand shall be seen upon you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So we're a community within a community, a community of believers who love God and want to touch other people's lives. Jesus said, listen, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was sick and you came and you prayed for me. I was going through all these things. And people said, well, Jesus, uh, when did we see you sick and in prison and, 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 and you, know, uh, you know, in those conditions? And when did we see you and, 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 and we came and did it for you? He said, as much as you have done it to the least of these, you've done it also unto me. Oh, the church is a community within a community with resources and ways to help people in their everyday life situations and help them through their everyday struggles. Amen? Hopefully to bring them to the true knowledge of who Jesus is. I said God wants to restore our true identity today. Amen? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we are an army. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we are, we are a hospital. 
Oh, yeah, we're a training center. We're a community within a community that's touching the community for the glory of God. Last but not least, because there were five blind men, I'm going to give you five uh, 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 examples of what men say or who we say we are as the body of Christ. Last but not least, we are the family of God. Amen. Amen. Church is a family. Oh, we're a family, y'all. Amen. We got the same father, don't we? Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Jesus told the disciples to pray. He said, when you pray, pray, our Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. We want your kingdom to come in the earth. One of the problems in the body of Christ today as we go through what we're dealing with in our world today, where we, we instead of advancing the kingdom, we find ourselves advancing the culture. When the blood of our ancestors become more important than the blood of Jesus, come on somebody, and we're challenging this hour to keep our priorities in order as to who we are. Come on somebody, in Christ Jesus. I said we're family. We got the same father, the same blood. You know, Jesus had a place one time, and the place was crowded, and his mom and sister and brothers, they came, and the place was so crowded, they couldn't get in. They didn't have room. And they came and said, Jesus, your mother and your brother and your sisters, they're here. Jesus, who is my mother? Who is my brother and my sisters? But them to do the will of my father. That's who my mother is. Thank you very much. I got one there. That's good. Who, that's who my brothers are. That's who my sisters are. Those that do the will of my Father. You know, it's amazing how Jesus says some things about in the last days when they come before him. And this is something we need to really take inventory in our hearts and our lives. And really, you know, the Bible said examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith. Because in Matthew chapter 7, he said, they will come to me in that last day. They said, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. Jesus said, depart from me. He said, they were workers of iniquity. He said, I never knew you. How is it that you're prophesying and you're doing works and you're casting out devils? And Jesus said, I don't know you. Because you were doing it for your own name's sake. You were doing it for your own glory. You were using my name. You were using my blood. You were using my word for your glory. For your own identity. It wasn't for my glory. You're more concerned about advancing your own personal goals and your own personal culture than you are about advancing the kingdom. He said, depart from me. That's a strong, strong word, a strong word of warning to us to make sure our heart and our motives, our desire is about him and that we love one another. When the challenge comes to us, where the enemy tries to blind us and tries to blind you personally as far as your relationship is with God, you got to be reminded of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are become new. Ah, oh, new. Old things passed away. Oh, new. New. You're part of a new family. When you got born again, you enter into a new family. The Bible said we are many members, yet one body. For by one spirit. How we all been baptized into one body, whether it be Jew or Gentile, whether it be bond or free, we've been all made to drink of one spirit. Amen? Amen? So the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. The foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. We have need 
of one another. Oh, yeah, we all a part of the body and every joint supplies and every member has this part, a particular operation and a particular part to play and, and because there's this one Lord and one God and one faith and one baptism, one, God, one Father over us all that are born again by the Spirit of God because Galatians 3.26 said we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. How do you become a child of God? You were born again. You were born again by the Spirit of God. You were brought and birthed into the kingdom of God. By the Spirit, amen? So we are family. We are family. We are family. We make up the household of faith. The household of faith. That's why it's so important, as we read a little earlier, out of Psalm 133, how good, how pleasant. You know how wonderful it is when family can get together? You know how family reunions or Christmas or Thanksgiving or different times where the, the family gets together? Amen? We have a meal. We feast. This is what it is here today. Amen. It's a family gathering. You got cousins and relatives and long, long lost folks you haven't seen in a long time. But you know when you ever have a family reunion, you just bring them all in. They just travel from far distance, but they come in and you just reconcile. And you, you, you remind yourself of the wonderful things and, and wonderful things that are happening in each other's lives. And you rejoice because you're a family. Amen. You're a family, y'all. And we're going to understand that even more as the return of the Lord approaches as the return of the Lord approaches. And be in family as we close out today. I believe 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, actually, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is going to become a greater reality for us. Because the Bible says, if my people. Now, we are his people. We're born again of the Spirit. Amen. If my people, and we've been called by his name. But the command is, and the challenge is, that we got to humble ourselves. Amen. We got to humble ourselves. You know, just be, it don't matter how much you got materially. It don't matter how much education you have. It don't matter how much you've attained or acquired in this life. <laughs> Listen, you didn't bring nothing in this world. When you were born, what you bring in here with you? <laughs> nothing. When you leave, what you going to take with you? <laughs> nothing. There will be no hearse. There will be no U-Haul following your hearse. You ain't taking. They asked one of the Rockefeller says, says uh, when, your, when your daddy died, I said, what, how much did he leave? He said, all of it. <laughs> God has blessed us to be stewards and to manage what he blesses us with. Amen. And to use the resources spiritually, financially, materially, relationally, whatever we have to honor and offer to others to help them to the true relationship in Christ. We got to humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. He said he will hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sin. And he will heal our land. Amen. It's got to start with the church. It's got to start with the people of God. We got to come together because he said by this shall all men know that we are his disciples. All men, the world need to know in that we have love one for another. Can y'all receive that today? Amen. God is restoring our, our identity, amen? Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, oh God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord.